What's up, brother? And welcome to the Becoming Kings podcast. I'm Johnny King, and I'm a life enthusiast, growth mentor, and men's lifestyle fulfillment coach. I've dedicated my life to helping men who feel like they're just not living up to their full potential to level up and become the king of their kingdoms. So whether you've been feeling stuck or numb or extremely angry with not living up to your greatest potential in any area of your life, then I'll be in your ears every week dropping some truly transformative episodes to help you become a man that you're proud to be. I'm glad you're here. Let's get to it. What up, what up? Johnny King, another episode of Becoming King's Podcast. Today I want to tell you a little uh, humbling lesson that I learned that I hope that you can glean some insight from to avoid such uh, mistakes that I made. Today we're going to talk about real estate. And uh, I've dabbled in real estate. And yet it's not something that I've... uh, I definitely have had my interests here and there. In college, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki and uh, read that whole Rich Dad, Poor Dad series and just got totally uh, enthroned in, and like real estate. And uh, what he suggests in the book is like get a real estate mentor and work with them and have them teach you and uh, be taught for free if you have to and just, you know, get into real estate. So literally the day after I graduated college, I had found a, uh, a very successful real estate investor who had just moved from Southern California to St. Louis. And I had uh, ultimately yeah, worked out a, a deal to join her uh, and her husband, although she was kind of more the one who was, you know, heading up the 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 deals uh to to join her um and do anything I could so uh it was pretty awesome i immediately started working on my sales license um and then once i had my sales license i at the time could immediately uh begin setting and, and sit down for my broker's license so i acquired my real estate broker's license um, at the age of 24 and, uh, and really had no idea what I was going to do with it, but I was like, Oh, you know, it doesn't hurt. But there was so much information, so much information to, you know, try to <laughs> wrap my head around to just get, uh, you know, a real estate license and be able to, to do real estate in Missouri. And yet most of that, just like any other test that I'd taken throughout school, more or less was just captured in short-term memory, right? And uh, went in one ear and out the other, essentially just long enough to to pass the test. And then I forgot it all, which is normal for me. And I think probably for a lot of people, right? So ultimately, uh, every other year, I would take continuing education to keep that uh, that broker's license active. And I held it for 10 years, maybe probably into my early to mid thirties until I'll find, I was like, what am I, what do I have this for? I did end up using it when I, uh, I saved, you know, let's say 10, 15 grand, uh, by representing myself as a buyer's agent when I bought 
uh, a property in 2007. But for the most part, that's the only time it really benefited me. Um, and I eventually just gave it up and I was like, you know what? There's so much to know about real estate and I'm not practicing it uh, consistently that it's probably worth it to me to get a realtor to have uh, when I'm buying and selling real estate to have someone represent me and just make sure that I'm doing everything, you know, by the book and legally. So fast forward to a couple other deals and, you know, I look back on my life and the stories that I've created about myself and my time in school and, you know, we, we all have these type of, of uh, limiting beliefs, right, or stories. One of my stories is that I'm just not that... Uh, I just have never been all that interested in school. I just don't love and nor am I very uh, akin to learning from a book or lectures. I'm more likely to just learn um, on the athletic field, whether I'm talking like, like uh, what's what I'm talking about? What am I thinking of? Um, metaphorically speaking uh, or realistically speaking, right? So... Uh, I've noticed throughout my life, I'm just more likely to take action and learn through that action than to study, 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 or, you know, and hope that I have all my ducks in a row. And, and there's a double-edged sword to that. Um, I definitely have found, um, as I've even watched one of my good buddies, Lewis has like the dude, you know, self-proclaimed, not that, you know, schooled, if you will, um, coming out of college and yet he's obviously if you follow him and and the school of greatness podcast and whatnot he's done it very well for himself in his career just because he fucking takes action he doesn't overthink things and knowing that i can overthink things i have leaned more and more into in my entrepreneurial journeys just taking action right and so for the for the most part um i've come out well in that uh, I've, saw my, I've seen my father do that. I've seen a lot of guys that I uh, respect and admire when it comes to, when I say guys, I mean men and women. Um, Cody Sanchez, I've mentioned in the past, like I, I admire what she's done and my coach Christine Hasler and a lot of other women as well. Just They just take action, right? So male or female, uh, I notice that those that typically are successful, quote unquote, in, in you know, their careers at least are those that just take action. They don't overthink it and it's a calculated risk and they just go for it, right? So I have taken on that character trait as well. And it hasn't really come back to bite me until recently. (laughs) So uh, about a year and a half, no, probably more like two years ago, uh, I put down a good chunk of change on a... uh, on a new build in Florida for a 10 bedroom house near Disney, near Disney world. And it's, it was in a community that, uh, a gated community that has this beautiful, huge kind of like almost like a water park, um, like with a lazy river and water slides. And, uh, but the whole gated community that had 800 units in it was strictly for, STRs, uh, short-term rentals, right? Airbnbs, VRBOs. You were not allowed to live there longer than one month. So you have no, none of the homeowners actually living. These are all obviously investments or second homes or whatnot. 
So I'm like, oh man, this is a uh, this is a great idea. I had actually sat down with a buddy of mine for coffee, and he had told me that he was close to closing on his. And I was like, what? Tell me about this. This is fascinating. I want another Airbnb. And this is two years ago, right? And so he told me all about it. He put me in contact with his realtor. Uh, I was like, easy enough. I went down there and and looked uh, looked around and saw the schematics and the the plan and you know the different. Uh, uh, rollouts of the phases, if you will, of, of the whole development. I was like, cool, I'm in. I want to get the biggest one possible because I want to make the most amount of money. And so I bought a, a 10 bedroom place, or I at least put down, like I said, a good chunk of money, uh, 65 grand on a, you know, on the contract, right? And so they ultimately started building it. And as I'm getting into it, of course, over the last couple of years, things have changed with interest rates. Um, and it, again, if I'm being totally honest and humble and, and transparent, I didn't do any of my own underwriting. I didn't run the numbers. I just took action and it bit me in the ass big time. <laughs> so I'm going to tell this, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you the story. So hopefully you can learn from my mistakes so that you don't do them because it was an expensive <laughs> lesson learned. Um, and so again, if you've listened to this podcast or know me at all, uh, you know, I've got a bunch of other Airbnbs that do very well, um, amongst other entrepreneurial things that I'm into. And, uh, over the past, you know, let's say year and a half while this house is being built, interest rates are going up. Um, I am also going through struggles getting, uh, you know, financing, uh, qualified because 2020 was actually a really, really shitty year, a financial year for me um, because obviously COVID. But at the time, the vast majority of all my income was coming through my coaching business, my live events, my men's retreats, um, my uh, Airbnbs. And as you well know, Airbnbs completely dried up. Everything stopped as well as everything in person, right? For like a year. So I just lived off of my savings for that year. Um, but then when it comes to qualifying, a bank wants to see the last two previous years of, of income. And 2021 was back to normal, strong, but 2020 was really shitty. So they're like, oh, we can't qualify you. You know, you don't qualify for enough. Um, and so banks will qualify you on two of three categories, essentially, right? They'll either, uh, it's either income your credit score, or your assets, right? So I ultimately got approved based off of my credit score, which is solid, and my assets. Cool, great. But because of that, it's more risky because I couldn't show that I had enough income, even though I did in 2021, especially, and also in uh, last year, 2022. And this house was supposed to be finished uh, around like September, October of, of last year, 2022. It didn't actually close until just after the new year here in 2023 because of other delays and uh, supply chain issues, all that good stuff, right? So I struggled to get financing, finally do. But because I do, I also have to, I get uh, a higher rate, right? Uh, which was like in the eights. And again, not having done my, my own underwriting, I didn't look at property taxes. I didn't look at how much the HOA was going to be. I, I literally was only looking at like, oh, how much money can I make? Oh, cool. I can make, you know, like this 
this house being the biggest in the whole area, you know, you would think you'd bring in like three families, right? People who could stay for much less than if they stayed on Disney property uh, at hotels. And, and that's the issue is that Disney just doesn't have the infrastructure for as, as many people that are traveling to Walt Disney World. They don't have enough hotels and everything else. And so that's why people are, you know, and, and I can imagine too that like, for kids, like you, you go to Disney World, but then you bring them back. They're exhausted, but they're still are like hyped up. They want to play games or they want to swim in the pool. And so this place had a pool, hot tub, um, game room upstairs, like all this stuff. And uh, about 4,500 square feet, 5,000 square feet, decent size home. I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, when I start when I actually start seeing the uh, HUD statements, like the, the closing statements, I'm like, fuck, you know, which, which is, again, <laughs> having learned this lesson now in retrospect, I'm like, how stupid could I be? But this is, I, I'm just being totally transparent. This is kind of how I've approached my life in different regards. I just kind of like throw myself into it and then I learn as I go, right? But this is a pretty big risk, you know, for me at least, uh, project, if you will, um, to, to have learned on this one. This was, in, again, in retrospect, dumb of me. But again, lesson learned. And uh, sometimes you need a, a fair amount of pain to, to learn your lesson, <laughs> so to speak. So I'm looking at like, oh, um, you know, okay, we're getting closer to closing. And I'm like, damn it. You know, of course the world is, you know, I was, I was thinking that by the time we would get out of COVID and the, the world would rebound and people would be traveling again and Disney would be, you know, I was at Disney January of 2021 when they had, uh, you know, they were rest- restricting it to like 35% of capacity and it was amazing. And they had new, they had done, they put in like a billion dollars, I think, worth of like infrastructure improvements and the place was like primed and ready for ready to go and i think even more recently they've had record numbers right especially people from south america and europe um just just crushing it even though their stock prices have gone down and all this other woke bullshit that they're putting out there so that said i was just more or less banking on disney as long as disney and I believed would survive, uh, then this would be a good investment that people would be coming to Disney year round and that this short term rental would have no seasonality, right? Like I have another Airbnb that's up in the mountains here in Colorado and, uh, it sometimes shows a little bit of seasonality, meaning that like people, you know, it's completely booked, uh, not a single day is available, like throughout the winter, people are just there to ski, um, Breckenridge and Copper and Vale and Keystone and A Basin and um, and then in the summer times people there to you know camp and to hike and to but sometimes through the the mud seasons like uh, spring and kind of fall um, too cold to to camp and too snowy and too wet um, sometimes we see a little bit of a drop off but this past year in 2022 we didn't the whole place was pretty much uh, leased out the entire time, which is great. Um, however, uh, I think as you're looking at, if you're looking at doing some Airbnbs, you want to look at obviously super hot places 
places where there's as little to no seasonality as possible, right? So you could get something up, let's say, in Michigan, which would be great, you know, <laughs> for the three months in the summertime when Michigan is awesome, and then for the other nine months it's fucking cold and dreary and depressing. So I wouldn't advise getting an Airbnb up in Michigan, right? So that's why I was looking at Florida. These are the things that I had considered in terms of an Airbnb approach, but I didn't look at it in terms of the financial approach, which again, you're probably rolling your eyes. Maybe, maybe not. Or maybe you're very much like me. Um, I just didn't, I don't, you know, my story is like, ah, I'm not really good at numbers. I've never really been good at math. I'll just learn it as I go, right? <laughs> so long story long, ultimately I get to closing, which was, like I said, just in that like first week of January. And uh, interest rate, in like the mid eights or 8.75 or forget exactly what it was, right? So pretty high. Um, property taxes were like $1,000 a month. Uh, HOA had also bumped up uh, another $100, $200. Um, you have all these different types of assessments and all these other things. You have all these brokerage fees. You have these realtor fees. You have all this stuff like... So ultimately... I closed this house for uh, like $798,000 uh, was my purchase price. But then closing costs on top of that were like fifty two grand. Okay, so now I'm in it for eight fifty two, eight fifty roughly. I'm like, oh God, that's me purchasing it. And then to carry it, you know, um, would be, let's say I do want to Airbnb it. So the the mortgage was roughly sixty five hundred. Like I said, another thousand dollars for property insurance, uh, property taxes. I mean, you do also have property insurance. You also have HOA. You also have all these other things, and just general like it, it costs money to keep the hot tub warm. It costs money to you know all the utilities, a couple hundred dollars, um, or several hundred dollars uh, a month. Then you have cleaning fees. So if you have people coming in and out cleaning fees probably for a house uh like i pay like 200 bucks for cleaning fees on some of my other smaller airbnbs here in town in denver um and so i would imagine i kind of guesstimated that cleaning fees would be about two to three grand a month if the place was well rented out so i had a like a a nut to crack of like nine or ten grand a month before i started making any positive cash flow, right? So as I started doing the underwriting, doing the numbers after the fact, I'm like, oh fuck, this is more carrying costs than I'm comfortable. Like if for any reason there's another pandemic or another reason why Disney was shut down or another reason for, I'm like, I don't know if I can stomach this or if I even want to, right? And so I needed more money to, to close because I put money down but I didn't have enough cash to actually close on the property because um, I needed like 20% down so I ended up getting a hard money lender <clears throat> so there's fees associated to that as well points and everything else so again long story short I was like you know what I just want out of this I just want out and uh, this was dumb I've learned my lesson uh, I would be more than grateful if I could just break even and get my money back. But I wasn't holding my breath. And so within a couple days of putting the house on the market after I closed, 
my realtor reaches out and is like, hey, amazing news. Uh, there's like good and bad. We have an offer on the table. All cash. Super quick closing, like two and a half week closing. Uh, and yet it's like 30 grand less than what you were wanting, you know, that we had the house listed for. He's like, my suggestion is that you just take it. I have another client who had something very similar. They held out because they wanted more money, but now it's been on the market for six months, so they've had to hold it. So similar to you, let's say it's, you know, seven grand a month, you know, times six months that you're just sitting on a vacant house because they're just trying to get rid of it. They're not airbnb it because they haven't even, like, um, furnished the place. So you can't Airbnb it. Uh, there's no furniture. Uh, I was like, fuck. He's like, so I might suggestion, man, like you might want 30, 30 grand more, but if you sit on the house for just even four to six months, that type of, uh, profit is going to be eaten away just with your closing, your holding costs. I was like, oh, that's a good point. I just want out. I was like, fuck it. I'll just take it. So I took this all cash, uh, quick closing offer, and just got rid of it. And after I've done the numbers again on the backside, <laughs> having learned my lesson, I'm like, okay, I think I just lost about 75 grand on this deal after I tied up my money for like two years. So I'm like, that was so dumb, so ridiculous. Um, and yet, I'm grateful. A, I'm grateful to be out of it. Might have, again, might have been a really dumb decision. Maybe I should have held on to it, figured out another way. I'm sure there's so many different options that I could have had. But I also am running my HVAC business. You know, I've got, I'm hiring new people there. I'm expanding. I'm needing cash for that. I ended up selling another property that I had uh, a month prior to this, this one closing in St. Louis. And like just a lot of stuff going on, right? Um, and just trying to manage a lot of, you know, wiring funds here and there and, and just cash flow issues, which is what happens when you're, you know, obviously an entrepreneur and the, and the bigger stuff I get into, the more I'm like, oh, this is stuff I really got to learn. I, I can't sit back on that story of like, oh, I'm not good at, I'm not good at finances or I'm not good at math. I'm like, well, fuck, if, if I'm going to keep going down this road that I'm on, I have to figure out, you know, all my finances. I have to really, really know that. And so I've really been leaning into, and this is, like I said, been a really good lesson, an expensive, a very expensive lesson. <clears throat> Although I've spent way more money than that on personal development over the past 15 years, uh, several hundreds of thousands of dollars on just myself. And so I figured like, yes, super expensive invest, um, loss uh, on my part, but lesson learned that I'll never go into doing a deal like this again without doing my due diligence, you know? And it's just kind of dumb. And it's but it's probably similar to people who fucking just get married to someone. They're like, oh, yeah, this is the right time and you seem nice enough and let's get married and let's have kids. And then once you're in, you're like, oh, my God. And maybe you get a divorce and maybe you're co-parenting now with someone who you cannot stand. And you're like, what was I fucking thinking? <laughs> right? So we all do these types of things. We're all human. We all kind of don't really know what we don't know until we get into it. And that is the slippery slope. And also why a lot of times people will overthink and overanalyze and they're so fearful because they want to avoid these type of mistakes. But it's also kind of like just the price of admission to uh, to playing 
the life of, or I should say the game of life. And so, again, I tell you this story because I hope you can um, glean some insight that you can use to your advantage to avoid doing what I just did, which is, you know, spend 75 grand on uh, on a major time suck. <laughs> and my thought was ultimately it could have been way worse. It could have been double that. I could have lost 150 grand if I had sat on it, if I had done this, I've done that. Uh, and who knows? Like I could have, if I could have sat on it, I could have turned a profit of 150 grand. I have no idea. I don't know. The reality is that I just have to cut my losses, not overthink it, learn my lesson, which is always the question that I take from relationships that end or projects that go south or whatever. Like, what can I learn from this? What can I take from this? And I've learned, okay, I need to figure out my numbers <laughs> before. That's kind of a key thing to real estate is that, uh, you know, you can be pretty sure of what you're getting yourself into if you actually do the numbers. And I'm like, okay, God damn. I learned, I learned this lesson the hard way for sure through the school of hard knocks. So anyways, I hope that's helpful. I hope it's uh, insightful. Uh, I definitely don't recommend um, just willy-nilly going into real estate, especially bigger deals that involve, you know, risking hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, when you haven't run the numbers. I definitely don't recommend getting into um, having children with someone that you don't know. <laughs> I definitely don't recommend, you know, certain things um, that really do require, you know, a general sense of some, like, underlying due diligence. That would be my recommendation, my humble recommendation. So at the end of the day, though, I am more grateful to just be uh, someone who plays in the game of life than sits on the sideline. I'd rather be a doer and learn these expensive lessons because I know this lesson is actually going to save me so much money in the future and better to learn it now in my life than 20 years or 30 years. I know of uh, I know of people who have taken major risk, lost all of their um, you know their savings and their investments late late our uh late in life 70s and 80s and it crippled them mentally and they gave up and they passed away shortly thereafter because they were like i just literally wasted a 40 year you know career of savings and lost it all in that crash of 2008 and uh and they passed away like they literally had no more will to to live and they were just so crushed by that and that's that's what i ultimately want to avoid i want to figure out ways to um as I follow kind of like Ray Dalio's all weather investment strategy, which is like no matter what happens in the economy, uh, whether it goes <laughs> north, south, or sideways, either way, that uh, there's always a way to kind of weather the storm. Things may drop, um, which they will, but that you have other assets and other opportunities that uh, make up for the areas that, that drop. So that's why I'm looking at... Uh, recession-proof type opportunities. And another big reason why I bought the HVAC business. Again, a, a business that I have known nothing about and have been learning massively. The most I feel like I've been learning about business in this past year about finances, finances and cash flow and health insurance and employees and, uh, you know, <laughs> employee taxes, 
uh, withholdings and uh, forecasting inventory. Like the list just goes on and on and on. Shit that I didn't even know about, but it's been within my wheelhouse. It's just something I'm super, super excited about. But that was also a major, major risk when I, you know, invested a lot of money in buying this business. So, you know, you win some, you lose some. I definitely don't want you thinking if you're a listener that uh, everything comes easy to me. I'm constantly a student of life, constantly learning, constantly uh, taking my my hits through the school of hard knocks, as I said. And I know you are too. So whether you're struggling in your relationship, your intimate relationship, you're struggling with your health, your career, your finances, like we're all human. We're all doing it. We're all like, you know, having our challenges. But you always have to ask yourself, what? Taking responsibility, what can I learn from this? How can I move on from this so that I don't make the same mistakes going forward? And I know now, knock on wood, (laughs) that I don't do something that dumb in the future with so much money because I may have lost 75 grand, but I could be, you know, it could be 10 or 20 years from now that if I had not learned that, I could lose uh, 750,000 or 7.5 million. Like those are bigger pills to swallow if I really put things into like perspective of where I see myself being. If I want to, you know, I've on my Code of Kings, I want to grow my generational wealth, you know, to 250 million. I have, I have no idea <laughs> how I'll do that and if, if that's even feasible or if that's even that important, but I at least have a number to it, right? And so as I kind of take the you know, the, the couple, well, as I just keep expanding my wealth uh, that I have right now, that's like, okay, that's at least where I'm putting my my vision on uh, for 40, 50, 60 years from now when I pass. And I want to leave that to my children and know that my children are well-educated in that realm of money and numbers and finances and are able to be great stewards of, of that uh, generational wealth so they can teach their children and that it can continue to grow and provide, you know, freedom to to do the things that we get to do in life and to be present and to not just be workaholics um, and never home for our kids and that sort of thing. So I digress. I uh, hope this has been helpful. I um, hope you appreciate uh, my transparency in... Uh, admitting how dumb I can be, <laughs> uh, but I'm not. I don't. Uh, I'm not beating myself up about it. Quite frankly, I'm just like, okay, cool. Uh, all the more reason to to charge into other areas, keep doing uh, other you know business opportunities and businesses and my Airbnbs that are working well. And just learn and just keep moving forward. I'm not gonna hold on to it and uh, make it become my identity or fearful of that going forward. I'm just a lot more aware, a lot more intentional, and uh, will certainly be doing my numbers in advance of various deals, whether it be real estate or buying other businesses, which I plan to do, and that sort of thing. And that's no different. Like I said, when I was younger, super easy to fall in love. Oh, she's beautiful. She laughs at my jokes. We have some things in common. Yeah. I'm in love. <laughs> Let's get married. <laughs> Compared to now, I'm like, nope, I have these values. I have these things that I want. This is important to me. Like I have a lot clearer sense as to what I am, uh, 
quote unquote doing my under underwriting my due diligence uh, as it relates to getting into a relationship right so whether you're talking about a, a romantic relationship or a business partner relationship or a relationship with your realtor <laughs> or your title company there's a lot of reasons to to have a better idea of what you're working with so anyways we'll catch up with you on the next episode of the becoming kings podcast thanks for listening as always we'll talk soon that's it for this one and i want to thank you for listening hey if you got some good ideas from this episode and you want more please feel free to subscribe to the podcast and if you think others may benefit from it also Share it on social media and tag me in your post so I can say hey. It would also mean a lot to me if you felt inclined to write a review of the show on Apple Podcasts since I read every single one of them. And if you've got any questions or topics that you'd like to recommend or really just anything that you think I could improve upon, man, I thrive on constructive feedback. So hit me up with an email at podcast at johnnyking.com. Oh, and feel free to also subscribe to my YouTube channel, connect with me on LinkedIn, and follow me on Instagram at Johnny King and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Johnny King Men's Coach. Thanks again for joining me. I'll catch you next time.